0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to History Two-Time Chat Live with me, Philippa Lacey-Bruhl. I hope you have had a great week. Today, I want to talk to you about the old operating theatre, which is somewhere uh, I managed to visit the other week when I was down in Southwark, and I think you'll find quite fascinating. I did. Um, And as I was walking around the area, I also saw a legend linked to it. So there's loads of links. That I think you're going to find interesting, or at least, yeah, interesting. That'll do. That'll be a word. So, how are you all? Um, thank you for joining. I can see Brian and Melissa and Marianne and Deborah all joined on uh, YouTube. I'm also streaming live on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to you if you're joining me live. Thank you if you're on the catch up, and also hello if you're listening on the podcast, which you can also do. I know some people prefer these sorts of programs on the go. So, like I say, today I'm going to talk about the old operating theatre. Um, here's a little. I tell you what. Let me give you a little sneak peek um, of the of the place I'm um, talking about. Good afternoon, Mark. Welcome. Um. So this is the place I'm going to be talking about, um, and you might have seen photographs of it. It's uh, it's the oldest operating theatre to survive in in Europe. So um, I think there are there are other operating theatres around that maybe have been updated, but this one was this one lay forgotten about for over a hundred years. So we'll get into the story. About that. Um, but before I do, I just want to say thank you for joining me. Obviously, um, you can support me on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram with all the hearts and stars and whatever. But what I love for you to do is come over to my Patreon because there's loads of extra stuff in there. We are soon in 18 days' time. I asked Siri to do the math for me. We are we are having our next book club meeting, it's about the palace. Uh, a book which you can see just on the back here by gareth russell that's our next book uh, we're meeting on the 10th of march it's a zoom meeting so it doesn't matter where you are in the world as long as the time suits you of course you can um come and uh to that meeting and then the book after that is uh so if you that's 18 days to read a book perfectly welcome to come along if you haven't read the book of course but if you um would like to maybe join ready in time for the next book. Uh, It's going to be Nicola Tallis's Uncrowned Queen, The Fateful Life of Margaret Beaufort, the Tudor matriarch. So um, there's a bit of a heads up. So I'd like to give a short shout out to Maureen, Diane, Elaine, Kiernan and Gary, who have all become patrons in the last week. So yes, <laughs> Jen has noticed I've actually done my nails. Yes. <laughs> uh, Beverly's got two-thirds of the way through the palace. It's oh well, I can't wait to get into book club. I, I, any of Gareth's books are an absolute joy to cover in book club. Um, his writing is um it's really uh, amazing, unique in that he can the unique's probably not That's it, it maybe a bit unfair on other writers, but the amount of information that Gareth Russell can pack into a page <laughs> and and yet it's really easy to read. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Um but so today the old operating theatre. Okay, so I will whack a picture back up of it as promised. Oh, actually, I wonder if I've got one of um the entrance first. Well, anyway, so here's the old, So when you go to London you can visit this old operating theatre and it's um quite it's in an old church and we'll get on to 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 that uh, as part of the story the um I don't know if it was a restaurant stroke club stroke something I went in the daytime and the music was so loud it's really it was an interesting setup Um, in this very historic place. And there was this music just like (laughs) downstairs. It was was quite bizarre. Um, And you go up this uh, staircase. I was trying to see if I've got a picture of the staircase for you. It's very interesting, but it's so uh, old and um, it's a spiral, wooden spiral staircase that they've got a traffic light system. So at the bottom, so the ticket office is at the top. I think it's fifty six steps or so, and you get to the top, uh, and that's where the little shop and and ticket desk is. But the bottom there is uh, either a green tick or a red cross to to tell you whether or not you can go up the stairs or not. Such are uh, such is the uh, slimness of them that uh, it's it basically is one way. So um, so yes, yeah, so. so Almost, di- it's not difficult to find because you can see the the, the um, sign outside. But if you do go, just as a top tip, don't be put off by, one, the loud music happening in the door to the right of the staircase that you want to go up, or by the fact that it might have a red cross lit up because that's just to let people come down and then they switch it to green and you can go up. So there's some there's some top tips to not put you off uh, going and finding it. Um and when you get up to up to it you like i say you go into the ticket office but you come first to what is called the herb garret and um yeah so well the, the this this so i'm showing showing it on the on the screen especially the garret is is a is, a, is a is an attic an attic space and this was purposely designed to uh, well the attic space for storage was purposely designed into the design of the building um but it became the herb garret so it became where the apothecaries would dry and store their herbs and um and their their, their lotions and potions because it was away from the main hospital it's it's sort of uh, drier cooler presumably although i'm not quite sure in the winter, in the summer um and um and so so you've got this and then you've got the the picture that i flashed up before the old operating theater which is the so we're, we're going to get into the story of all this because it's absolutely fascinating i think um so we're going to go well let's first of all tell you that it wasn't until 1956, there's a, um, organist, an antiquarian called, uh, Raymond Russell, who, he actually collected instruments. So I'm not sure how he got, well, presumably he, he knew about the organ in the, um, he was an organist and it must have known the church and asked for permission to access the attic. And, um, and, and, so for some reason and he he went up and it was, apparently it's up a it, the time the only access was up this sort of rickety um ladder I suppose and he found the herb garret and um there was some bricks in a wall that had fallen away and through this once bricked up um entrance or opening he found this operating theatre um, and this is the only remaining part, so the Operator Theatre and the Herb Garret of the old St. Thomas's Hospital, um, which is the precursor to St. Thomas's Hospital in Lambeth now, which it, it moved to that site in 1862. I think I remember the Queen's, the late Queen's late husband, Prince Philip, was being treated there I might be wrong but it's it's opposite it's the opposite side of the River Thames to the Houses of Parliament that is where St Thomas is now all St Thomas's this is what remains of it so the Herb garret. that um so let me show you let me show you some other pictures of it um now obviously it's being set up now as a museum so I'm not sure that there would have been a dispensary cancer like there is here but um that dates back to seventeen o three the operating theater to eighteen twenty two um, and it's been a publicly accessible museum since nineteen sixty two so it's 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 got um it's almost got a follow-on history of its own hasn't it it's been open to the pub to the public since nineteen sixty two um and because the operating theater had been abandoned. So bricked up, abandoned, forgotten about. Because it's in the top of the church, it didn't get demolished because because the church didn't get demolished with the rest of the uh, of old St Thomas's Hospital. And so, and this is this is how come this operating theatre survives from eighteen twenty two, and is now, um, the 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 oldest surviving in Europe, um so the church itself which I'm sorry I don't have a picture of the outside of the church was built in 1698 well between 1698 and 1702 um by a master mason of sir Christopher Wren's Thomas Cartwright his name was um Christopher Wren actually donated 500 pounds towards the building of the the, um the church which abutted the hospital which had been there before there was a church But it was dilapidated so they um they decided that they were going to uh replace it um so i've told you about the the garret what it was used for let me show you some of the displays because i love this so everywhere in the museum in 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 the herb garret it's got these displays of dried herbs and uh, seeds and all these other things uh, this I shall get onto some of the instruments as well in a minute um and what they were used for it's really it's fascinating and delightful the the surgical instruments not so much <laughs> not so much um but um and and I'll, I'll come on to it more in in a in a bit but the medical practices of the time obviously were the most advanced that there was um and um the techniques for surgery for everything were were different but let me tell you more about it so the um the operating theater was so now, sorry, I'm going to bring up that picture once again. And you can see there are double doors um, for those of you listening on the podcast. Um, there is basically a theatre. This is actually where the the the, the name operating theatre, because it was a theatre. You've got standing room here for, um, I can't remember how many people they think they could have got in here. It's something like 150. I might come to that in my notes in a minute and have to correct myself. Students, um, other doctors, uh, people who would come and observe the operations in order to be able to to go away and do that somewhere, do it somewhere themselves. There's double doors behind the actual operating table, and those would have led into the Dorcas Ward. The Dorcas Ward was the women's ward, and it was on the same level as the Herb Garret. Hence, why it was in the top of this. Uh, Garret, part of this Garret space, um, and the the men's operating theatre would also have been on the top floor somewhere in in the building, in in the hospital. Excuse me. And the reason being, if you see to the top, there is a huge window, a huge skylight, and that is purely because of the light um, to get the best amount of light into the room it is it is the women's theater there was a separate men's theater and like i say this theater led directly off the women's ward through those double doors originally um there isn't it wouldn't now (laughs) that's gone uh and um must have been quite harrowing if you were in the ward uh knowing that through those doors is the um is, is the, is the operating theater um um so yeah so what is quite harrowing you have to think so this operating theater dates to 1822 anesthetics were introduced in 1846 so this operating theater predates anesthetics it's surgery without pain relief and that required a different style of surgery so there were a few things they um would only operate for certain sort of the most serious cases um so surgery was a last resort and it had to be quick so these these were the signs of, of um a good surgeon, really. Now you'd be maybe surprised. I don't know if, if I should maybe let you guess in the comments and then, and then I'll tell you, but what the mortality rate was. So surgery here, no painkillers, no anesthesia, the mortality rate, what do you reckon that could be as a percentage just, just throw me out some guesses, and I'll, I will tell you in a moment. Um, fascinatingly, in 1846, when they start to bring in anaesthetics, the mortality rate actually um, increases. So, one of the biggest killers, of course, from any surgery, including today, is risk of infection. And once they brought in anaesthetics surgeons could take longer they could do more deeper surgery um and more complex surgery um, and actually mortality rates increased so the mortality rate before 1846 at this hospital i think 30 percent so you actually had a 70 percent chance of survival which is way higher than I thought it would be. So mortality rate was way lower than I thought it would be at 30%. Um, and like I say, in 1846, they're bringing in anaesthetics. So they're doing more complex surgery, deeper into the body. And uh, Amanda has just uh, mentioned it in the comments, hand-washing and tool sterilisation, not common until 1875. Yes, so they're doing more complex surgery. They're taking longer over it. And yet they don't understand infection control still. Um, Surgeons would wash their hands after the operation because they're dirty after the operation. They would wear aprons, but these aprons were to protect their own clothes. The, um, the, The more blood on your apron, the more experience you have. So the so the apron wasn't worn for any sort of patient protection. They just didn't understand how these things um, worked. And there's a a cabinet actually uh, in the corridor just outside this theatre, which has a, a number of different um, cases for surgical equipment. And they were working through what materials that surgical equipment were best to use to make them out of, and what um, what materials, fabrics or whatever were best to use to use in the cases for their surgical instruments um, because they were finding some were better than others and so I don't know. your surgeon might have a lovely velvet lined. Um, case with all his surgical instruments in but that would keep hold of the germs or whatever um and so and so they they did try different things um and and until obviously they had a good understanding of it um so and like I said, yes I've come come across the bit, bit in my notes so you'll see this so if anyone who's listening on the podcast you've basically got a uh, tiered standing system a little bit like um oh I don't know if you if anyone in the US I don't know if you have this in stadiums. so in football stadiums here in lower league stadiums uh, when you've got standing stands uh, you've got them tiered and you have sort of rails that people can lean over or whatever lean on and uh, and it's in a semicircle circular um, style. so exactly like an old theater that's that is what this is um up to 150 people like i say would observe the uh operations must have been harrowing for the pa- i just can't imagine for the patient how they're feeling um i get nervous now going down for a general anaesthetic like I had to do when I had my finger amputated. And I just, (laughs) the idea that you're going to go into surgery without that and everyone's going to have a little, little squizzy at what's happening as well. Oh, just unbelievable. So, yeah, they didn't have painkillers. They, um, they, they, I suppose they, so the the three biggest risks in surgery before um, anaesthetics, um, were blood loss, shock, and infection. So they were they were the biggest risks. Um, and like I said that got complicated a little bit after the advent of anesthetics perhaps we well, shock is diff- shock is, is does come from blood loss. so um, anyway, but infection became more of a risk as well than it had done beforehand. so the the quicker the quicker the surgeon was, that, that that was a sign of you know that that was what they were trying to do. They were trying to do surgery as quick as possible before anaesthetics, so that the the obviously the horror of it was uh, was as short lived as possible. But let's go back to the hospital's roots, if you will indulge me, um, because there was a hospital in this area. So we're in the Southwark um, area of London. So we are just south of the city of London on the other side of the Thames River. And there was a hospital here, definitely from the 12th century, because there was an Augustinian uh, priory, um, the Priory of St. Mary Overy, and Overy means over the river. And because this was a crossing point of the River Thames, and there was a, uh, so like I say, there was this Augustinian priory here. The the Roman roots, sorry, the, the, the roots of Southwark actually go back to Roman times. Um it was a river it was a place to cross the river. So this was um that that important strategically and that's that's the root of I think that's supposed to be the root of the um, name of the area Southwark's like Southern works but um now there possibly was an older Christian nunnery Going back to the seventh century, we'll come back to a bit of a, a thing about that later. Um, because there was a minster already noted to be here in the Doomsday Book. Um, now of course, priories, monasteries would have many, many times infirmaries, especially somewhere like like here, actually open to the to, I going to say open to the public. But you, you get what I mean. Um, and um and so that so there would have been one here in 1173 the hospital the augustinian priory hospital was dedicated to saint thomas in honor of saint thomas becket who'd actually visited the priory shortly before he was uh, martyred at canterbury in 1170 so 3 years later they actually dedicated the hospital to to saint thomas that's why it's got the name saint thomas saint thomas becket now of course um uh, so that St Thomas's Hospital was a direct predecessor of this one that we're looking at for the old operating theatre, um, uh, because there was one almost continuously, almost continuously. Of course, um, we had the uh, dissolution of the monasteries, and this the priory here. Um, was dissolved in 1539 and the hospital and the whole building closed um, and, um, and dissolved. Now that the church, the predecessor to this church where the operating theater is in the attic of um, was saved by the congregation. It was actually, um, actually still remained under Henry VIII's ownership and was leased out to the congregation. But 12 years later, under the reign of Henry VIII's son, Edward VI, um, so in 1551, he, he, um, uh, he what do you call it? <laughs> he established a medical school here. So he, he, he gave out a charter. I can't think of the right word for gave out, a charter. I mean, Edward VI chartered many schools. I went to an old Edward VI school. He char- I mean, he had a short reign, but for some reason, educational institutions were a big part of it. And the medical school that was set up um, by Edward VI by charter at St. Thomas's Hospital um, uh, established it as a medical school. However, of course, it couldn't be dedicated to St. Thomas Becket anymore. Uh, Thomas Beckett, despite Henry VIII remaining ostensibly Catholic till till the end of his life there were certain um elements to the catholic worship um and religion that 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 he wanted removing and one of them was any reverence to the story or the man or the relics of thomas becket um because of course he he stood up to to um, royal authority. So he was not a favoured saint of uh, of Henry VIII. So the hospital um, under Edward, of course Edward VI mm. isn't into saints at all, none of them, but it was dedicated to, um, to uh, St Thomas the Apostle. And so hence it could still be dis- uh, named St Thomas's. Um, and the hospital that that there was needed rebuilding in the late 17th century and it was new, and it was larger and it was, it was, it made, it was made up of, I can't remember, it was two or three courtyards. Um, so really quite extensive, but um, in 1862, the hostel had to move to its, its current, it's still, it's still there in Lambeth, its current position in Lambeth, because the land was um, subject to a compulsory uh, purchase order because of, the um the new uh, underground rail links that were going there um but so the church and its attic r- remained but the rest of old st thomas's hospital um was was taken down and the attic well the old the operating theatre bricked up the attic sealed and it remained that way from 1862 until 1956 when um Uh, when it was when it was rediscovered which is really quite amazing isn't it now when I was walking around Southwark after my visit to the old operating theatre and its links all the way back to the 12th century I walked around and uh, when you're in Southwark you can go and see the uh, recreation of the golden hind To be honest, I wasn't that interested in the recreation of the Golden Line because you couldn't go onto it. It's it's closed at the moment. But next to it, there was this um, um, slab. I don't know in the wall with this legend of Mary Overy. So, like I said, the the original priory was Saint Mary Overy. Overy meaning over the river but let me read to you what that legend encapsulated in this plaque says. So it says on there, legend suggests that before the construction of London Bridge in the 10th century, there a ferry existed at this crossing point. Ferrying passengers across the River Thames was a lucrative tra- trade. John Over's who with his watermen and apprentices kept the traverse ferry over the Thames, meaning obviously the ferry that that goes over the Thames back and forth, made such a good living that he was able to acquire a considerable estate on the south bank of the river. John Overs, makes you wonder whether um, Overs is from his trade. (laughs) Oh, Anyway, we'll carry on. John Overs, a notorious miser, despite making all this money, devised a plan to save money. He would feign death, believing that his family and servants would fast out of respect and thereby thereby save a day's provisions. However, when he carried out the plan, the servants were so overjoyed at his death that they began to feast and make merry. In a rage, the old man leapt out of bed to the horror of his servants. So he was playing dead. Uh, one of whom picked up a broken oar and, thinking to kill the devil at the first blow, actually struck out his brains. Primarily, the insinuation there is that they they did believe he was dead, and then the devil had brought him back to life, and so they uh, <laughs> so he decided to, to to knock the devil out. The ferryman's distressed daughter Mary sent for her lover, who, in haste, to claim the inheritance fell from his horse and broke his neck. So now Mary has lost her father and her lover. Mary Mary was so overcome by these misfortunes that she devoted her inheritance to founding a convent into which she retreated. This became the Priory of St. Mary Overy. Mary, having been made a saint on account of her charity. During the Reformation, the Church of St. Mary Overy was renamed St. Saviour's Church and in 1905 it became Southwark Cathedral and the Collegiate Church of St. Saviour and St. Mary Overy. Fascinating legends, quite a few holes in it. (laughs) The, I, I, now I could have my topography incorrect but if this is a crossing point an ancient crossing point that the Romans utilized I think I think and this is what I could be wrong that it that meant it was fordable in all, in other words it was uh, traversable by foot at low tide um therefore that doesn't say to me that it's a great place for the ferry to be. I would have thought you would want to be a little downriver. How would that work? Yes, is that right? So, the, it, so you've got water, but there you go. Um, and uh, and yes, so there's one thing. And then, so he plays dead and thinks that his his family are going to, and his servants are going to fast. So he's only going to save one day of provisions. So that doesn't sound worth it to me. What's he going to keep doing that? Like every time he wants to save some money, we could just not feed them. I don't know for a day. Um, and then it's the lady's lover, Mary's lover, who thinks he's going to claim the inheritance, doesn't say her husband. Um, anyway, when I looked up the what is the legend of St. Mary ovary, there is no St. Mary ovary. It is St. Mary, the the virgin, as far as I can work out. There's no separate St. Mary so that doesn't seem to stand up. So unless I've missed that in the records, but either way, it was quite fascinating to walk around Southwark after seeing the old operating theatre, walking past Southwark Cathedral, walking past um, the, uh, the Palace of Winchester, which if any of you joined us on History After Dark for uh, the Bishops of Winchester, you will know uh, a bit of the history of that and, and of, the, uh, of the area. Um, and then to come across this plaque with with some sort of explanation of the uh, legend. Of course, it seems to indicate there that there was a uh, a Priory previous or longer than the, than, the, than the 17th century, which apparently in Tudor times, it was still being talked about how this Priory had been around since... Much earlier than than was first recorded, but the first record of it is supposed to be in the um, in the Doomsday Book, or at least something being here in the Doomsday Book. A minster. Um, so there you go. So I thought that was that was quite fascinating. Um, the old operating theatre is well worth a visit if you are going to that that area of uh, London. Um, and you, like I say, you can sort of have a walk around and, and mix in what you're looking at and, uh, and all the links between the things, uh, between the places. And of course, so the cathedral being the actual church uh, of the Priory, where um, also, I, if you, just as an aside, but the, um, the wedding of James I of Scotland to uh, Joan Beaufort took place. Because the Bishop of Winchester at that time, 1423, was um, Cardinal Beaufort, the bride's uncle. And so the, the wedding somehow mm-hmm. took place there. So there you go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so there's a hostel right back from the 12th century and it still stands today at the moment. Uh, well, now it's in, um, it's in uh, Lambeth. And. Um, Lisa says, when she'd have been canonised, was it pre or post needing the Pope's permission? I don't think it's ever not needed the Pope's permission, has it? Unless I've misunderstood. Couldn't find, I mean, please feel free to, uh, (laughs) if anyone looks it up and finds out something different, um, I'm more than happy for you to let me know. Um, So Melissa says, according to Time Team Lambeth across, yes, across to Thorny Island was where the Romans forded. The Thames centre is not deep there so there's yeah. other well there was um definitely over to thorny island there was a passing place um that's that's the origin of why we have westminster abbey there why we have westminster palace there um because there was thought to be some kind of spiritual as well sort of um feeling about the place i suppose um and that's where that comes from. But there was certainly a so where the Tower of London is, the reason the Tower of London is there is because that was the that was the highest um upriver, so the, the furthest upriver that was navigable by ship. And so the the Romans set up a camp there because you couldn't go further up river. By ship. Therefore, anything that was being brought into the area by ship had to go through them so they could tax it, keep an eye on it, whatever they wanted to do. So that certainly means there was some that it, that it was at least much shallower water after that. So I suppose a ferry could be, it's not a ferry, ferry is it? It's a little boat, probably. Um, so yeah. So that could be maybe. Maybe I'm thinking it needs to be a bigger boat than it actually, than it actually needs to be. Maybe it's more bo- flat-bottomed, like a canal boat, with the river being much slower and more sluggish and um, shallow. Then, so yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I I love going to somewhere different. Um, obviously, it's still got the links back to the ancient history if you like that, but the. um the, the the I I love the the fact that it was hidden for over a hundred years, uh, and so left as it was. Really, really quite fascinating. So, um, oh, Lucy says rules changed at the end of the eleventh century because saints were popping up everywhere. You could be canonised for lots of charitable giving or donations before the rule changed. Yes, yeah, so they, they, they decided they better make some rules around this it's a little bit too easy um so yeah because doesn't there has to be so many uh uh like miracles does not there and things like that but the, there was a little change with the 40 uh 40 um uh, martyrs um for that they sort of did that one on uh on mass yeah so uh yes Amanda new hair <laughs> I went a bit darker so uh yeah I went to the gym though, so it's a little bit greasy. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, right. If you want, uh, I am back later on, 8.15 tonight with the History After Dark Girls. So on the History After Dark channel, uh, it could go awry tonight because we are doing a few games um, before getting back into our History Heroes series uh, next week. So, if you're around at 8.15, that's UK time tonight, uh, wherever time that is where you are, then please do join us. Otherwise, you can join me again here next week when I will be um, – oh, thank you so much, people, about my hair. That's so kind. Um, when I, I don't know actually what I'll be talking about next week. I shall let you know. I shall let you know. Might do some Romans next week. What do you fancy? let me know. Okay, everybody, I will let you get on with your day and hopefully I'll see you tonight or I will see you next week. So thank you so much, everybody. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.